This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Flight, wait, this ain't even a flight. This is an out-of-home, in-house session. Let's go. You listen to the out-of-home podcast. You're listening to the out-of-home podcast. Are you locked into the out-of-home podcast? You're listening to the out-of-home podcast. Featuring Kieran, Kwame, Yaf, and Stephen. You London boys are crazy. Yo, uh, Stephen. Fucking Stephen, bro. Bambolino. Bambolino. Your day's covered, man. Hey, Daryl, just so you know, yeah, Stephen's been sending shots for mm-hmm. man. He thinks he's an absolute bar, isn't it? So. First, first he tried to send for me And then he said he's got Sat in the rapper. tuck He said he's got Sat in the tuck for Kwame So we're waiting We're waiting Patiently yeah. Are you lot doing You lot doing live freestyles yeah? yeah. No no Only Not, not us lot Not us lot Him <laughs> I, was just, I was just exploring my creativity They took it the wrong way <laughs> Have you got your notes? What's happening people You're listening to the Out of Home podcast And guess what We got something new for you this week man That's something new for you this week So we decided to put together A little A little something A little something And uh, it's basically called the in-house session So what we're trying to do is speak to people Whilst we're all locked up Ain't got shit to do, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> but basically, we got a very special guest in the building today. A father, a rapper. He goes by the name of Daryl Cole. And we're very, very excited to have him on the, on the show today. So give it up for him yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. Come on. Oh, you're on time. <laughs> oh. How are you feeling, guys? Feeling good, yeah. man. Yeah. All good. All good. Locked up, man. Locked up, but good. <laughs> <laughs> that's a feeling that's, I think that's a feeling We all share right now Trust me man. And the worst thing is The sun's out today as well man Bruh, It's mm. going to be hot tomorrow as well You know Trust yeah, me I'm, I'm literally I've just been staring out my window basically. Wishing wishing you could be out there Yeah I've just been seeing bare people risking it all today from my window. Like, everyone forgets social distancing and all I that. I really do, you know. For a young man, seen the grease, you know. <laughs> risk it for the road, everybody. <laughs> risking it for 19 degrees, boy. At least they get the funny fight. Okay, let, let, let's get into it. So, so Daryl, basically, um, the four of us originated, well, Started apart from myself, but started life in in London in the UK. Um, I know you also grew up in London or were born there. Do you just want to tell us about like where you're born and like where your roots like? Because I think you've got like a really interesting story that we could all identify with, and I think maybe some of our users might uh, listeners sorry might not know. Okay, um, so I was. Uh... <laughs> 
I'm still in work mode. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, no, nah, I was born in London. My, my parents basically are from Sierra Leone. That's, that's where the story starts. Um, my dad and mum moved to London at a very young age. Um, I was born there, born in Brent, and then we lived in Southall for a very long time. Okay. Um, so now, like, I turned six, moved to Sierra Leone um, with my little brother, my mum and my dad. Uh, lived there for, like, two years. And then um, the war broke loose in Sierra Leone. Have you ever watched the movie Blood Diamond? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I was, I was there during that war. Wow. Oh, yeah. How, how much do you remember? How much do you recall? Well, I think tra- like when it comes to traumas, that you remember everything quite vividly. As um, as it comes to like just um, um, memories of growing up and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I think if something bad happens to you when you're young, then that really sticks to you. No, no, completely. And then like, for some of the listeners who may not know about that situation how would you describe the situation at the time you know what led to that friction point and how did that manifest itself in the country um i think it was due to a political like um like political disagreement so um the rebels from like the villages when like started this kind of revolution against the government what made it super dangerous for myself because my dad was um was part of the army he was a lieutenant so um, yeah, so the the rebels were, were planning to take over the capital and just overthrow the government, basically. And uh, so they started in the villages all around, and we lived in in Freetown, like in the center. Mm. So um, luckily, like I think a, a month or a month and a half in the war, they finally got to um, um, Freetown. But I, luckily, I was able to escape. Wow. I can't even, and how, and but at this stage, how old are you, like eight? Um, yeah, I'm eight years old at the time. So we, so, um, yeah, we escaped. We, we went to Guinea, which is right next to um, yeah. Serbian. Stayed there for like a week, I think. I'm not really sure, like, them parts there are like blurs to me. Like mm. how long I stayed in Guinea or how long, like the airport, all of that, the airplane. All, all, all of those things are kind of a blur. But um, I know we stayed in Guinea for a while, and then from Guinea we went to Belgium. Now, just to make it clear, um, during the war, my mom had already escaped. My mom was in prison during the whole war, um, and my mom had escaped already with my little brother. So I don't know till this day. I don't know how she got out of prison, but then um, she uh, got my little brother and was able to escape. That time I was living with my father. And um, they were not really getting along at the time. So she uh, kind of made my auntie come kidnap me from my uncle because my, my, my dad was... Uh, from, my, from my father, excuse me. Because my father was totally against it. Mm. And then we... Yeah, she, she kind of kidnapped me from, from my father's house when my dad was at work. And um, yeah, from there, me and her went to Guinea and from Guinea, we went to Belgium where I was reunited with my mom and brother. And, and all this is happening like before you're even 10 so like yeah. for me it's crazy because I know what I was doing when I like my only worry was like yes I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to play games or go to McDonald's or something like that like yeah. it's just like a complete 
Like, I just can't even imagine. I'm just trying to process it and think like mm. all those things happening at such a young age. And like, what was it? Looking back at that time, like, what would you say was the biggest impact they left on you? Um, I think I think not only the war, just the whole situation. Because like in London, we live middle class, I could say, mm. and in Africa, we lived pretty rich. Mm. And after the war, I got to see the poor side of Africa and then coming to Europe, being able to bounce back up myself and blah, blah, blah. I just, I think the, the biggest thing that I learned from the whole situation is just like, oh, there's no there's no guarantees. So you make sure you just enjoy every day that you have. Mm, that's, that's really deep. And like, just, just recounting all of that, I just can't even like fathom. Um, how you made it through the strength of your mother, your family to get through that situation, and then yeah. you just spoke. You just mentioned now that you ended up going to Belgium. So, like, of all the countries in Europe, like, why Belgium? What was in Belgium? So, when my mom uh, escaped from Freetown, she was supposed to transit in Belgium and go to London again. Mm-hmm. Uh, when she arrived in Belgium, they asked her, like, "Okay, you're coming from a country that's in danger, like in war." In a state of war, so do you want to maybe um, seek for asylum over here? Mm. And um, my mom just wanted to start all over again. Do you know what I mean? She was yeah. like, she kind of left London because of the crime rate that was going up like crazy in those times. Mm. Um, and then, so she didn't really want to go back to London. So for her, it just felt like a brand new beginning. So she just said yeah, and she stayed basically. And that's how I ended up in Belgium. And then how old were you at this point in Belgium? Like 10, 10 Yeah, I arrived in Belgium when I was nine, nine and a half. And then um, how long did you remain there? I stayed in Belgium. Yeah, I think the rest of my childhood, basically. I did move, move around a lot. I moved to New York. I moved to Spain. Um, I did move around, but I would say... Most of the rest, like of my childhood, I spent I spent in Belgium. And then, if you had to pick from like your whole journey, would you say Belgium is home for you, or where do you identify as that home? Freetown, man. I haven't been home in years. Mm. Yeah, I still see I still see that as home, even though it was like I went through the whole war and, and everything. But before that, I'll, I'll be honest. Before that, life was sweet. Like, Mm. really really good I'm just I'm still like just taking it in but like you know when I was speaking to you I spoke to you a few times and I said that while I was like really keen to get you on here because like Mm. the concept of us being like out of home and it's kind of like having to leave wherever we we were calling home and start a new life somewhere else and kind of documenting our experiences but whereas ours was kind of voluntary yours was kind of like thrust upon you like I mean you you had, you didn't really have a say in it, and it's just kind of like. So yeah. when we're talking about uh, out of home, like, what does that mean to you? Uh, well, because I've moved around so much, I've learned to. Okay, now I told you guys, free time is my home. Yeah, that's where my heart is. Mm. Um, I've learned to adjust in different places quite quickly, and and call it a home, or at least make it a, a temporary home. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, for now, I'm in Amsterdam, so I, like, I just made sure that I got everything that I had in my mom's yard, that I got hair, 
just to make sure that I'm, I'm comfortable and now I can call this place a home. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, no. Sorry, quick one, Nick, to just jump in. Because um, like, that mindset for me is quite interesting where it's, it's kind of like um, you're not a floater, but like, you know, you, you have many different versions of like places that have defined you, not necessarily home, but places where you've been, environments that you've been that have kind of shaped you in some way. Like, how, how is that mindset for you? Like, do you feel like, settled in Amsterdam at the moment or are you kind of in the back of your mind thinking where's the next place or like you know where's the next place I can sort of um, set up and what's my new I'm going to be to be honest I really really don't know like music is interesting like my music is going places right but Mm. I don't like I don't know um, where I want to like I've been thinking of going back to London after this whole corona thing but I'm also thinking of going to LA Mm. I'm definitely done with Belgium. <laughs> that's that's, <laughs> uh, that's for sure. I've done enough time there, but um, I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure. For now, I'm in Amsterdam. Like I'm quite comfy. But does that is that also exciting for you? Because like really, like, do you have the mindset that the whole world is kind of like your potential home? So like you can you just feel you just develop this habit of um, moving to different places and taking in different experiences. So like you kind of feel like what's next or do you feel like you want a place where you can kind of settle down um I re- like to be honest yeah I think after after everything like after everything is done inshallah mm. God grants me long life mm. and I get live long and 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 see the age of 60 70 then I'd like to end up in like a Barcelona or something and stay there okay yeah. why Barcelona because I lived there, th- I lived there for three years. So I kind of know how it works. I, I, I know, I know the ins and outs of the city, and I know it's a, it's a place where if you like the privacy and the, the calm lifestyle, like not too busy, you could just live right outside of Barcelona. And then when you choose to turn up or choose to have the whole busy city life, then you just drive down to Barcelona. Mm. I'm first. I, I just like my peace. I like, I like being calm. And, that's like that's interesting because like if you give most like black black men a choice of like okay cool you know where are you gonna go like I don't think not many people I know like call out Barcelona so that's like really like um, yeah it's like, kind of left ideally I did like ideally I'd love to have like a place to stay in Barcelona mm-hmm. I'd love to have a place to stay in Sierra Leone and mm-hmm. still have a place to stay in Amsterdam. Like, at all the places that I, I spent more than a year, I'd like to have a spot there. So every time okay. I just feel like catching that vibe again, I'll just go back there. But out of all the places, when it comes to, like, even the prices of houses and stuff like that, Barcelona is just much more interesting. Mm. Um, Barcelona and Africa, of course. Mm. And, and, and in the midst of all of this, whilst all of this is happening, you managed to, like, kind of um, delve into music and like a talent and a true like calling so like whilst all of this like life uh life altering events were happening around you like when did you first come into contact with music and then how did that journey go did it evolve as you were moving from place to place or was there really one place where you say this was like the birthplace of my music i think i think i think it's the traumas that kind of drove me to make music because like my mom like i said my mom was very young my mom had me when she was 23 so like music has always been a part of 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 my life basically um 
But I think when I went through the whole war situation, that's the first time I really picked up a pen to like just write down on how I was feeling. When I was just like when I reached Belgium and I got, I rolled into just being a child again because that was another thing. Just getting out of survival mode and just learning how to enjoy sh- stuff. Um, yeah, man. I think uh, to be honest, to be honest, like. When I moved to Belgium, I didn't speak that much because, mm. like, I think I was still traumatized. So, I, and everyone was trying to understand what what I went through the time that I was there alone. Um, but I wasn't really talkative at the time. So the best way to get it out was like writing poems and stuff. That's mad interesting. How old were you when you first picked up a pen? Then nine. 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 What? And when did you yeah. realize that it was something that you wanted to pursue? Like, what was the defining moment? When when I, when I, when I started listening more to my mom's records, like the, the ones that my mom mom's had at home, like you know the, the, the Keith Sweats and the Brandies, and um, then I started to understand. Okay, yo, so there's a structure to, to this, and and I kind of got interested in how they build up a song, how it goes from a bridge to a hook. First or hook, um, and my mom at the time because there was no Google and stuff. She always used to want, want, want lyrics of the song, so she'd ask me to write them out because I'd be listening to them all day rapping. Oh, that's it. Oh, for real. Right, so she'd be like, she'd be like, okay, she, there was one tune I, I specifically remember, which was um, Mary J. Blige, No More Drama, mm-hmm. and, and she used to really like that tune. Mm. And I, I like that tune, obviously, as well. So I knew all the words. And one day she just came in my room and asked me, um, could you write down the lyrics for me? I really like this song. And um, yeah, I ended up putting in, recording it from the radio, nice. putting it in the tape deck, and then rewinding the whole time. <laughs> genius for poor genius. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they saw your concert. They saw your concert. Exactly. <laughs> what are your royalties at? I need, I need a percentage. <laughs> um, Daryl, what, what would you say was like, um, how, so you, you were writing down the lyrics, yeah? Like, how did that help you in terms of writing your own and constructing your own songs? Because uh, I know there's there's a there's a J. Cole bar, yeah, that he says that he used to write Nas, Nas bars and like, put them on the wall to study them. Like, did you study those songs yeah. like that you were writing? Not to blow my own trumpet, but I think, like, I spend 70% of my time just studying music. Mm. So I, I really, like, I really studied all my favorites. I really studied all the new ones coming out now. I really studied everything that was before my favorites. Um, I take my time to really dissect, um, dissect. Um, verses and hooks and sometimes I ask myself what makes me really really like this tune yeah and then I try to find the science behind it but there's no real science behind good music because it's, it's, it's a feel like the same person can make the greatest song today and then tomorrow make a shit song exactly it's not because the person understands the science to it but um and you know how you were doing this from nine? Because like before we started this pod, I thought I liked music, but when I, you got into this group, 
then I realized that, you know, like particularly Kieran and Kwame and then, yeah, they love music. Like they actually study. So that's so for me it's really interesting that you were you actually took it as something to study. Whereas like, I was probably someone that just listened to, oh yeah, I like this tune and I wouldn't think anything more than that. But like since I've been uh, starting this just from like the other guys there, they really do study and I'm I'm very curious about how uh, people now go about that and everything there. So I'm sure the guys will have more questions for you, but like I'm, I just love listening to this stuff because I'm looking at music in a different way now. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So Daryl, like, um, who would you say that you spend your most time like studying? Like, what? Who are your favorite artists? Who were your, who's your inspiration? Like, what? 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 Who are the guys? I have just like Biggie, Jay Z, Nas mm. in that order. Mm. So what? That, that's your top three. I think. I think. I think, I think it's big. What? <laughs> <laughs> Rap raised me. I think Biggie had enough time. I, I don't think Biggie had enough time. Because mm. then I would I would have studied him like I studied Jay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. When did you but when did you I get did. into Jay? Because me and Kwame were having a conversation, yeah. And like he's like been on Jay from the beginning. And I said it took me so long to actually appreciate his music. Um, I, I come from a neighborhood in Belgium that was like all of these rap, all of the Brooklyn rappers were like definitely the ones that everyone loved. Sick. So, um, um, so like Fab, Jay, all these rap, all these rappers from Brooklyn always kind of had a, a we always kind of gravitated towards their music, and I think Jay is just the one that's been the the most like the most. Um, consistent with it because mm. he had the chance to live <laughs> like not like, yeah. like most for example that's a good point but, but I've been on Jay forever man forever forever when so when was the like obviously you started writing pretty early right um, when was the first time that you hit a recording studio and what was that like when I was 16 I was in the garage <laughs> <laughs> my mate because my like it was in a garage somewhere in my neighborhood, mm. and and the older guys from my neighborhood, I, they they used to rap like they was already in it, and I just I was very I'm, I was a very shy guy, still I'm a little bit, but um I was very introvert. So one day I, I don't know how how they found out that I that I had that I wrote some stuff, and then one day they just took me to the studio with them, and I just I don't know why what got into me that day, but I just spit out and everyone was like you need to record this mm. I find yeah, that this. so interesting you know? I, I always find it interesting when people say they're introvert on the flip side are you know like performers write amazing music like can you can you speak about that a bit because I feel like that's quite an interesting paradox um well music kind of helped me open up to be honest right I think um yeah, because of like everything that I've just been through, I've just been a quite introvert person from the get go. Like ever since I was like, ever since I arrived in Belgium, to be honest. But music, I don't know. As soon as it's a mic or like when I'm on stage, I don't see, I don't see the people. I only see the front row. I don't. I get, it's like a blackout sign. I just go. How how do you describe that? Because you know, only only a finite amount of people will ever get to experience. Performing in front of a crowd on a stage, like what is that? What is that feeling for you when you when you go out there? It's, it's still the same. It's butterflies in the stomach right before the show, mm. when I'm back 
I'm hearing them call out my name. That part there never changes. It's like butterflies. I'm thinking of the worst shit in the world. No, I can't fall down. No, I can't. Did <laughs> 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 they put the water on the stage? Like I'm, I'm thinking about all these things. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's always a great feeling. As soon as I go on stage, it's just autopilot. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's autopilot. Okay. And then in, in Belgium, did you have like a group of friends? And like, what language were you speaking? Do you, do you speak more than yeah. one language? And, you know, this friendship group, did they help lead you down the way of music? Or have you always been kind of like a solo kind of person? Um, def- definitely because of my friends. My friends heavily like, influenced me being a musician, for sure. So we speak, it's, it's crazy. Belgium is like a transit country, isn't it? So there's like bare languages in Belgium. Mm. So it's like, you know, it's also like the capital of Europe. So you've got French, then you've got Dutch, but there's also German. Um, and, yeah, it's true. and the movies, because I don't know if they do that here in Holland as well, but when they play English movies in Belgium, they don't change the, 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 the audio. It's only subtitles, okay. right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in France or Germany, they don't do that they, they like butcher or Spain. <laughs> Come on, so they butcher. Yeah. No, they do. No, no, you see, like, right. go on. You see, like Will Smith with a light voice, like oh. super light. It doesn't make sense. Bro, I heard, I heard, I heard that they have um, yeah, like voice actors. So, like, if you grew up in a certain place where they dub the movies, you never know what that artist or that person sounds like. No, no, yeah, no. It's true. It's, true. it's so true. To, to, to the point fuck. in Germany, I even heard that the the voice actors become like famous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so much that like, oh, that's that's uh, that's that's Mister. What do you call it? Glockenspiel or whatever his name. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but going back to going back to um Belgium, there's a question I wanted to ask actually. Like, do you feel like coming yeah. up in the music scene um in in Belgium? helped you to progress quicker or at a, a rate that potentially might have been halted being in London? Because I feel like, obviously, the music industry is quite saturated in London. Talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Nah, to be honest, Belgium Belgium is like, Belgium was the best thing that ever happened to me when it comes to music. I just never realised it when I was um, in, it, in it, like in the beginning. I always felt like it was a country. Like, rah, we're in the corner of the corner of the corner. Mm. No one sees us. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, they always felt like, wow, this is never going to happen, kind of thing. Mm. But um, but Belgium, Belgium, like, forces you to, to work with less. And because there's so much different influences, like the French music scene, the Dutch music scene, and then there's an American and a UK music scene. People in Belgium listen to all of those. Mm. So that's kind of an advantage. I never saw it that way until I grew up. But that's kind of an advantage because we know all these different music and we understand them. Mm. Um, I was just going to talk about um, um, studio. Like, just Obviously, you said that you got there at 16. And I guess at the time, that might have been quite daunting for you. Um, how has that changed now? Like, how are you in the studio right now? Um, not nah, in the studio now. Like, that's that's home. Mm. 
Like, you asked me earlier where home is, like, wherever there's a studio. <laughs> oh, now the studio is cool. But I, I just, I like being that like, just me and my producer, kind of. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah. Just us two vibe out. There's no, there's no, um, how can I say it? There's no interruptions. There's no one coming in between. There's no other influences, like, we're just in the zone, like in the matrix, doing our shit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man. The studio for me now is just like my playground. I love it. And then, and and so, do you work with a number of producers, or do you have like one main producer that you work with? Um, I work with one main. Well, in the past, I worked with a lot of producers, like yeah. Dino, Belgium, um, a few producers, man, a, a ton of them. But um, now, I mainly work with one producer. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Big up, Sam. Yeah, he he's produced. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but obviously you should know him. But he's produced a lot for Ramon. Yeah, mm-hmm. basically, basically everything that Ramon's released. Um, yeah, I remember when um, Kieran when Kieran first came, we actually um, <laughs> took him to see Sam. <laughs> a little funny story about that. I was, I was typing my bars, hoping to get on, but these man didn't let me on. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. <laughs> I came to the studio, yeah, and Stephen was gassing, man. He's like, yo, okay, I've got some bars. I was like, spit your bars then, innit? He's like, no, no, I'm just going to wait till the next time that you come. Waste time. And all now I haven't heard them bars, you know, Daryl. So, like, just going back to... Stevie Wonder, boy. Just going back to um, how you are with um, in the studio, yeah? Like, I, I've been in a few, and, and, I've worked, and I work on my own stuff as well, but, like, Talk us through the process. Like, do you go there with like bars in your head already, like songs, ideas in your head, or is it that you get in there with your your producer and you guys just vibe out and try and catch a lick and just work on something that way? Me and Sam always start from scratch. We've mm. never he's never sent like a beat and like yo write and, and come to the studio. Basically, yeah. what I do is at home when I'm at home, I got like a ton of instrumentals in, in, in a folder that I just open up and I just let run. Yeah. And um, I've got a little black book where I write everything. So um, as soon as something comes to me, I write it down, I write it down. But usually I use them as like the two or three bars to start off something and then I write fret in the studio. Okay, okay. 
But I'm always, I'm always writing lines down or comparisons or punchlines or yeah. or interesting names or interesting events that could that could be nice to use. Nice, um, in the first. That's interesting. Well, um, from because like we all work in like in a creative industry, but maybe on the the other side of it, right? Where we're kind of like enablers of 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 athletes or artists or whatever. But um, it's interesting to see from your side, like, how do you draw, where do you draw inspiration from? Um, I draw inspiration from everything, to be honest. Like like I said, I take 70% of my time to study. There's always music playing. Like, I listen to everything. Um, I think, I think I, before I, I just used to listen to everything without a purpose, but now I listen to everything knowing that um, other artists can't. Mm. They might listen to a Dutch song, but won't fully understand it. They won't catch the get the punchlines, mm. or listen to a French song and catch get the punchlines, or listen to a Spanish song and catch the get the punchline. So um, I, I I spend most of my time just doing that, just understanding understanding different market. Okay. So, sorry if we missed it. We might we might have touched on it already. But how many languages do you actually speak? Then? Mm, I speak five languages. Wow! wow. <laughs> International puppy for real, but <laughs> um, Daryl, quickly, yeah, and you're a real studio rat, innit? Because I was going through your discography today, yeah, just listening to everything. And by the way, music sounds cold. Um, and you you released three projects in like five months. Yeah, that was 2018. I was like, I was just thinking, not how, but. How long? How long did that take you to do? So loading, still loading, fully, fully loaded, right? Yeah, those were all. Those were all songs that um, I know I wasn't gonna use, like release on my album or whatever. Mm. But I had a folder with like over a hundred demos, let's say. Mm. But what I just did was go to the studio every day for like two months and just finish all the demos. Mad. And uh, I just. Some of them feel kind of unfinished. Some of them are not. But um, I just made sure I had a few bundles of songs. I had one cohesive sound. Mm-hmm. And it, people just people just kept asking for music, so I just dropped it. How would you describe your sound? Um, well, I would say it's a blend of what's going on now and the golden era. Yeah, I'm going to say. But... In the future, I'm gonna, I'm gonna touch into a sound that's 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 that leans more to my own roots, uh, to, to where my like from, let's say Sierra Leone. There's no one really do. There's no one really doing it far for Sierra Leone. So um, I think I might have to touch into that as well. That's interesting. How um, how, how in touch with your? Oh, sorry, I was just gonna ask. How in touch with like um, obviously. Sierra Leone and the roots are you now obviously you haven't been there for like a long time but there's still family and friends and I know you speak of it like really fondly but how are you still getting that connection with back home even though physically you can't be there yeah I'm, I'm very connected with, with people that are there nice. um, I make sure I stay in tune with all the Sierra Leonean Instagram pages and all that <laughs> just, just to keep up um and I'm very connected with my family all over. I've got family all over the world. America to Australia. Um, Australia, wow. 
So with them, I usually, we, we joke or laugh about or talk about um, Sierra Leonean things just to, just to stay, just to keep up, uh, just to stay up to date. You need to let us know when you find like a spot for food in uh, Holland. Obviously, no one's actually going anywhere right now, stuck in isolation. <laughs> but um, how how are you coping with it, man? How are you coping with it? Fam, to be honest, I'm just here, like, uh, just sitting here. All the plans that we wanted to do just basically frozen. Um, but to be honest, I have more time to write, more time to study, more time to think about rollouts, um, more time to think about what if we would never go back mm. to, uh, to how we were living before. Like, how would I approach? How would I um, release music? How would I be? How, how would I keep up online? I've been thinking about most of those things and working out plans with, with the team. That's really interesting, like because I feel as though. Especially, um, you know, on our side, some of the the plans or the work we're doing, even just like personally, is more, you know, when when things go back to normal, we're gonna go ham, we're gonna we're gonna do this. So it's actually quite interesting to hear your perspective of what if things don't go back the same. So can you maybe touch a little bit on that and where like how how you kind of foresee stuff um, panning out? Um, I just I just feel like. Um... This coronavirus just kind of sparked something in me, like, yo, what if I couldn't, I couldn't, I suffer luck, what if I wouldn't be here? God forbid. Mm. How would I still be able to spread my message? Because I have a lot to say, and, and like, I still haven't had the chance to explain it all mm-hmm. yet. So how, how, how can I kind of like immortalize that on time? This is what I've been thinking about. That's interesting. So how, how would you say you're using quarantine or self-isolation to your advantage then? Um, to be honest, I'm, work, I'm working out. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> I've, been, I've been postponing it for, for so long, so I'm like, yeah, nah, 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 I'm back. So that's good. And also just not, really, to be honest, I appreciate the time that we have. Because I just realised how, how we've been living in a rush. Mm. <laughs> It's been a crazy, crazy, crazy year to 2019. Yeah. And to like fully slow down, and it's not only us slowing down, it's the whole world slowing down. Mm-hmm. It gives you another perspective on how we were moving and maybe how we could, you know, and, and divide our time equally. That's fair. We were, um, go on, Stevie. I was just going to say, what, what do you think um, from what we've experienced so far? What do you think won't go back to the way it is or will take a very long time to go back to the way it is? I think, you know what? You know what, what really is a problem nowadays? It's trust. Mm. I don't think, you could, like, people don't even trust their own family members. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying, like, okay, you come here, but where have you been? Who are you with? And it's always in the back of your head, do you know what I mean? Mm. That, that question is there. <laughs> it's there, even if you want to <laughs> yeah, even if you wanna be real and ask or not. That question is in the back of your mind. And just know the person is also thinking the same. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it's not really something that changes or not. Yeah. Um, so on that side, I don't think much will change. But it's more the, the thing that it doesn't worry me. But that is for most artists a crucial part. It's the, the sport touring and doing live shows. Yeah. So yeah. instead of like focusing on all the problems we have, I'd rather like focus on building solutions that we could use in the future as well. Like I yeah. said, when 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 like in Africa, when the house runs on electricity and electricity falls out, you got get a blackout, then you got a generator that kicks in, mm-hmm. and everything's working again till the power's back. Mm-hmm. What is gonna be our generator? Yeah, I like that. That's, That's a good way of nice. looking at. It. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. do you? How do you see the like from your side? Like, how are you starting to? Be creative and resourceful. Um, yeah, like again, let's 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 almost like say that things don't ever go back to normal. Like how how are you already starting to shift your mind in terms of things that could potentially change the industry, things that will happen um, for the benefit of artists? No, I definitely got a few ideas, but then if I Obviously, if I say, yeah, yeah. If I say yeah, no, it's fair, fair. Good to know that you're working on stuff at least. These niggas is jacking, bro. <laughs> one 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 thing that I've um, noticed is that people are becoming a little bit more self-sufficient. So I was listening to a, a, an interview the other day and Kehlani was on there uh-huh. and she was basically saying how she's producing her stuff, her own stuff from her house and learning how to uh-huh. learn how to produce and also make her videos as well. I mean, she put out one the other day. Interesting. Yeah. No, I think, look, to be honest, to be honest, I've never been, I've never been the artist to depend on a full team to function. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. I've always been trying to get the creative part as much, like, I, as much as I can do, I get done. Yeah. So, um, for the artists that, that have been that type of artist in the way of, like, the label gets everything done and, all oh, management will do this and blah, blah, blah. And for those artists, they their survival tactics have to kick in right now. Because mm-hmm. they have to kind of adapt to doing a lot themselves. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Um, but for artists that have been out there doing their own thing and having a, a great backing as like a great team, but by themselves as the artists themselves, their hustlers themselves, this is just a yeah. great time for them to work their brain, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And you, you mentioned that you're, you've got like a couple ideas in the pipeline, things that you're thinking of. Like, how would you just? Because this is this is a really unique situation, like where everyone is in this like fucked up scenario. We're all at home looking outside our windows when it's 90 degrees, wishing we'd be out there. Like, mm-hmm. how would you, how would you suggest, or like, is there any ways that just like the everyday person could, could stay creative and kind of keep, keep tapped into to whatever their passion is? Um, you mean in different sectors besides music? Yeah. Just like what, what could be the approach for, someone who's just passionate about something but you know they have to look at it in a different way like maybe there's a way there's a, there's a method you've used I think I think for anything physical so I mean where you have to come in close contact with someone that's kind of difficult right now um, but for all the people that, that have like have, have a craft that they can sell or use or use online to, to make money mm-hmm. this is this is a time to, to get that entrepreneurial spirit like wake him up. This is the time to to do that. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. just make sure you you do enough research on how people that are in your sector how they done it before you, and kind of figure out your own way. 
That's interesting. It's, do you know what I really like you? Because we mentioned earlier, sort of your your upbringing and the things that you've experienced, and you, you basically painted this picture of trauma almost being the thing that sort of led you to, to express yourself and go down this lane of music. So you've kind of turned a disadvantage into an advantage. And it sounds like you're you're very much approaching this situation with the same sort of mindset. To be honest, bro, if you survive war, there's nothing that you can't survive, bro. Right. Definitely war in Africa. Mm-hmm. Like, I used to think, I, I came to Belgium thinking, boy, these kids are spoiled, boy. <laughs> they they no to the teacher, shouting on their mums and shit. <laughs> that used to blow my mind. <laughs> you get cane, boy, in school. And you'll be scared to tell your parents at home because they'll cane you again. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> that, actually, that actually reminded me of a really funny story. <laughs> you know, you know, you know them ones where you can't just understand the rationale of like a African parent. Sometimes I remember it was in the summer. Sometimes I went next door and my neighbour just offered me like food, like a banana or something. So I took it and then went back to my house. And then my mum and I was like, ah. So you're telling people we're not feeding you and stuff. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> next, next day, that I get beat. I was so for two weeks. I was confused. I didn't, I didn't, and to this day, I, only recently I started eating bananas again because like, I was just had I just had so much confusion around me taking a banana and how they equated that to it. it that is mad. So I completely identify with that point that you made in like the culture shock of uh, like going jumping from one place to another. Yeah, but mind you, mind you, I was that spoiled brat coming straight from London. Do you get me? Like <laughs> straight from London, coming to Africa, seeing and I'm the you know. That's what they called it in Sierra Leone. So they called it the what culture. Like everything was what. Like I was always like, what, what? So what? And one time they beat the what out of me. Ever since I was like, I I need to talk different over here. That's a plan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's the, um, I was going to say, like, uh, yeah, like, you know, uh, as everyone's speaking about COVID and Corona, like, as a musician or just as you, Daryl, like, once, once we're out of quarantine, what do you think is the first thing that you're going to do or you want to do, sorry? Uh, the first thing I want to do is see my daughters, man. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's. Yeah, because, like, I'm in Amsterdam, they're in Holland as well, but in another city, so it's like, I'm, I, I don't want to go there because I don't want to, like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I have it, if I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Going, like, Taking whatever, taking a car, going whatever, going in there, maybe I have it. Nah, I don't want to take the risk. So I just said, you know what? We got to stay over there and no more visits for a while till this is over. Talk about being a father for a quickly, real quickly. How, how's, how is that? And how is that like manifested in your music as well? Um, I just, it makes you understand your parents more. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I could imagine. Uh, but to be honest, I got a large family, so and I got a baby mom that understands. So it's not like um nice. So she she's not even if we're not together, she's not making my life uh, a, a nightmare, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't I don't I won't I'll to be completely honest, I don't feel the the complete weight like how our parents felt it, because they came here with no family, no nothing and raising us. So I have a lot of help around me. Do you know what I mean? 
So it's, it's, it's all right. It's all right. It just changes your perspective on everything. Like you won't waste your time on unnecessary things because you just think I could waste this time. Like instead of doing this, I could be with my daughter. For sure. I think that's what everyone's looking forward to is that moment they can kind of um, you kind of say something that's relative to all of us because we all kind of moved um, from London to somewhere else and then for me it's the same exactly the same thing so there's a period where we could have gone back and I was tempted because I wanted to see my mum and my brother but to your point just not knowing like I don't want to be that person that risk it and then it, it goes left because it's, it's just not worth it but at the same time like, I'm just thinking across the world how many people are have been displaced because of this, and you know, thank God now that we've got the we've got the technology that we can do a quick FaceTime or whatever it is. Exactly. But maybe not everybody can do that, and you know, really. So I think that's the one thing that everybody is missing. And I just want to, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Finish, finish, and I'll and I'll and I'll say what I wanted to say. You know, I was just going to ask, like, the rest of the guys, you know, apart from, like, the family aspect, and also you, Dan, apart from the family aspect, what is that thing after this whole situation that you guys are, like, craving or wanting to do straight, straight from there? Football, bro. Oh, I want to play football, man. I want to kick some ball, Oh, bro. my gosh, bro. I've been moving, like, Cristiano Ronaldo in my house this whole I don't even have like, a football, bro. Setting myself some challenges, trying to kick the ball into the door. Oh my gosh! I, like today, it hit me that I actually miss kicking ball, man. Mm. Yeah, that's that's me. I think I'm the same. What about you? Same football. Yeah. Call me. What are you saying? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I would say for, for me, um, outside of sport and football, I think just link, just linking up and having like parties or whatever it is, just linking up with people, yeah. meeting different people. Like it, it just, I saw like a tweet where someone was like, "I'm never gonna leave a motive early ever again." <laughs> <laughs> Trust me. Oh shit! I, I, I think of the times when I nonchalantly left Bitterzoo, like maybe like one one a.m. or whatever it was, like early, and just like you know what, yeah, now nah, I'm done. Nah, I'm, I'm just gonna save uh, every. I'm gonna be there till five. I'll help them clean up. <laughs> <laughs> just help them clean up. That's <laughs> oh, true. Daryl, what's yours? Aside from like seeing your seeing the fam and stuff, what, what's that like, that one thing you're looking forward to doing? Just getting together with the gang, man. Wow. Kill you. Kill you. Wow. Everyone's like, everyone's like in their own corner right now. We used to always be together, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that first turn up is gonna be a mazaline, bro. It's gonna be a mad thing, bro. Don't mix none of my alcohol. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be mixing everything. I'm going to have a glass of wine, oh, some I'll, champagne. I want everything straight. Shot. Oh, bro, it's going to be mad. I'm going to be a mess on these Amsterdam streets, boy. You might see me falling into the canal. Oh, my days. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be swimming in these canals, boy. Oh, my days. Michael Phelps. That's <laughs> <laughs> Michael Phelps. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, Daryl, before we close off here, yeah. um, what is what is two things that you uh, think people wouldn't know about you that you that you're happy to share? Um, Could be a random well, result. I think one of the things is that yeah, that I speak five languages. Probably spoke about that earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Second thing is, my fam, I love cooking, fam. <laughs> is it? Okay. Um, I love hey. cooking, bro. I would look. There's nothing in the world that I can't make. Bro. If I if you if I see it, I know how to make it. Daryl is really out here selling himself. Mm-hmm. You know, man's a musician, speaks five languages, loves the yeah. man. Comes with father. Oh my god! Oh, he's saying that. Like, come, come, dine with me at uh, Daryl's when this is over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Must run it. Must run it. Corona free, You not need to be Corona free. <laughs> what's your number one dish? What's What's the number one dish, Daryl? If you had to cook something to like really impress someone, what would it be? Ooh. Um, I don't know, man. To be honest, right now peanut butter stew would be dangerous. Mm. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 